Hey guys, welcome back to What's Up Grimes. My name is Jen and I'm sitting here with my co-host MK as usual. Hey MK. Hello, good morning or good afternoon now. Good afternoon. Good morning to you. (laughs) Sometimes we record at night. Sometimes it's like 9 a.m. when we do it. It just happens to be 1 p.m. today. We have the honor of sitting here with Franz and Sally Steiner. Franz and Sally are Los Angeles-based creatives who currently run Steiner Creative based out of Optimus Studios. By letting life imitate art, Franz and Sally combined their 30 years of experience in photography, fine art, visual effects, and makeup artistry to work in entertainment production. Some of their clients include Red Bull, Beats by Dr. Dre, Mercedes-Benz, Korean Air, and K-Swiss, just to name a few. With Franz Photography being featured in TED Talk Paris, NY Magazine, The Guardian, Daily Mail UK, and Sally's work includes working with Grammy Award-winning musicians, work in the 89th Academy Awards, and in Teen Vogue. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Would you start by telling us a little bit about yourselves? I'm Sally, this is Franz, and Holly, our oh golden retreat, <laughs> just joined. For having us, guys. Thank you. Thank you for taking interest and time into um, chatting with us. We've never done a podcast before, so. We're thrilled that you're here. Can we start by hearing a little bit about the two of you separately, how you came to be into this position and how you created Steiner Creative? From the beginning, I grew up in Germany. I went to a went to a film school uh, for visual effects. I did a little bit of CGI animation, kind of what I wanted to get to in the beginning. And through that, I kind of went into photography, post-production, retouching, made my way from uh, Berlin via New York to Los Angeles. And that's where I met Sally. That's like the super short kind of breakdown. He's an artist out of Germany, born and raised there made it to New York where he met a mutual friend of ours. I, at the time, had been working a little bit bi-coastal. That was always my dream, to be bi-coastal. So I was kind of trying to break some ground there. And uh, Franz left New York, got into California, LA, and our mutual friend said, you guys should meet. I was working in makeup, he's working in photography, and we met and we've been inseparable since. That's the truth. I mean, we've met and ended up realizing we just had so many layers of common interests. I always wanted to start a studio that was always my dream. And I left the city with the intention of working in entertainment in LA. I found it through makeup and got very lucky just to meet some of my best, best, my closest friends have come in through that work. My partners come into my world, in my world through that way. And uh, Steiner Creative was born 10 years ago, what, 2012? 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It started out by just trying to shoot and trying, you know, I mean, here in LA, let's face it, guys, I'm not going to lie. It's not like, you know, we haven't tried new things. We, we were artists at the end of the day, and we're just kind of mixing our talents together, trying to make projects happen and um, hoping that something will resonate. So you were in finance prior to makeup, what was that transition like? And how how long were you in makeup before you Uh, guys met? Ironically, I've always been in makeup. My first job was at 14 years old. I lied about my age to (gasps) counter at Lancome and then they realized. (laughs) (laughs) But I had my training in within those two weeks. And so it's kind of funny. And my, I, I just grew up around a lot of theater. So I was really inspired just by the spotlight and stage. And I just knew LA was 
always going to be in my in my future. I think you try to find what I what I realized. You always try to find the balance between doing or doing the right thing or what you're supposed to do and what was your passion. Mm-hmm. So it was always yeah. going and forth between going to finance to you know get make some money, take care of your well, family. Well, to be clear, I actually had no finance experience. I never had any understanding of finance or business, although ever since I was little, I just loved money and I would read books. <laughs> on- well, there's an artist living in, 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 in here and there's also like, you know, a very smart woman in there. And I think if she didn't have those both sides, standard creative probably wouldn't exist the way it is. I feel like I'm a little bit more one-sided on the, but, um, I guess you you always you know discover things about yourself that sometimes you uh, you overestimate yourself and sometimes you underestimate yourself. It goes it goes back and forth a little bit. Yeah, David Bowie has some great quote. As you can tell, I love Bowie. I have a Bowie book. My son's name is Bowie. I like Bowie a little bit. So he has this really awesome quote about you're not doing the right thing unless you're going out of your depth. Yeah, I mean, I I wish I had figured that part out, but right now I feel like it's it's a constant back and forth, trying to do what you're good at, you know, especially if you have a, have a family and you have to provide it. You tell yourself you have to keep, you have to do the right thing, keep doing what you're good at, but you also just keep doing that and you're not going to improve enough and develop enough. So the right thing to do is also to risk things, right? At least that's how it feels and listening to all other people that you know, it, it seems like that has to be part of it. Yeah. I mean, and for me, for me, like I just always, always invited back to do makeup. I was always invited, you know, to, you know, to uh, participate in events. And I just kept, it's the one constant in my life that's been able to, I, that I know I can do. Finance was felt, it always felt like that was just a personal life skill that I just wanted to tackle from my own sense of well-being and confidence and that was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because I don't have that background putting myself through that formal education it was actually makeup that got me through it so it mm-hmm. was working yeah. jobs and so I was always a makeup artist first business and finance was something that I I pursued on my own and I had to do that for myself just for that sense of accomplishment when I moved to LA I just always knew that if I could put myself through that rigorous process, I there was really nothing that was going to deter me. Yeah. So Sally, you guys are raising three girls. Tell me what it's like balancing your career with being a mother. So pre-COVID or after COVID? Both. <laughs> Very different questions, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Pre-COVID, we had two elementary, one toddler, we, we had it really well. We had Blanca, we had a nanny for a while. So there was always some flexibility with, I, don't, I mean, I, what can I say? We were really lucky. We were really lucky in that we just had support, you know? Well, I think we also don't really know it any other way. You just make, you know, the best of the situation and don't look back. And right. um, <laughs> I think Sally's doing definitely more of the the lifting at home. She's spending more time with the kids than I do. We we work out of Optimus Studios, which you guys mentioned at the beginning, which is by LAX. We live over in Manhattan Beach, which mm. people who live in Los Angeles know that's not a very far commute. No, door to door, we're talking about a 15 minute commute. So when that's amazing for LA. I lived in Glendale for 10 years. I just relocated to the East Coast because I'm originally from this side of the country. So I definitely know how long those commutes are, and I don't miss that. 
Yeah, so part of it is, you know, I can come home for for lunch or for for dinner or if there's any oh, lunch, awesome. you know, can help. And and Sally works at the studio whenever she can. So we just we're just winging it as good as we can. Oh, well, we have an incredible family. They're not really close by, but we have amazing communities. Some of that community felt we felt really isolated, you know, for a while because of COVID. And then ironically, I'd say now we have even a bigger community now because our neighbors like we've we're just really lucky with the kind of people that we have around us. And I just say that raising a family is not for a burden on one person. It, mm -hmm. it takes a village. At the end of the day, it takes a village. So the juggling is possible because of the village that we have around us. Parents still live in in, uh, in Germany and Sally's family is in San Francisco. So, you know, they they are around, but they're not they're not right here. So we um, we appreciate when they're here and when they help, but we have like Sally said, we have a good a good set of neighbors and friends who neighbors that are ants. I mean, it's yeah, like, they turn into ants. It's like yeah, we adopted we, we them. Have a, our, <laughs> we have adopted people in our family. That takes me back to you, friends. I read about your early career as a 3D artist. Can you tell us how you started with all of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my my dad is a photographer. He or he was an advertising guy first, and he turned photographer I think in his 40s. Oh. I remember when he first he first got his first Mac computer. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I think I was 15 years old, and we kind of figured out Photoshop together. Mm -hmm. So first introduction into digital image making, and Photoshop has always been, you know, kind of my my go-to, the tool that I'm most comfortable in. But my also my dad always said, "Don't become a photographer, or don't, you know," he's, or, or he didn't at least push for that. So for me, I knew I always wanted to do something creative, but at that time I was thinking, um, I was very inspired by, by movie intros, trailers, motion graphic, also movies like Jurassic Park and um, Independence Day were big influences, I remember. That's when I wanted to do, I had no idea how it's, how it's done, but I wanted to do create worlds, photorealistic images that don't exist. Yeah, those two movies, if you've seen them recently, they still hold up with their graphics too, which is insane. For sure. So um, back to your film school days, you wanted to work solely in film. So I thought it was going to be either, um, at, at that point, I didn't even know what it was called, but uh, then I learned that there's, you know, softwares like Maya and 3D Max, which where you can render, you know, three dimensional, like three dimensional images that become photoreal once they go through a certain process. And um, there was a film school in Berlin that I heard about. I grew up in a city called Dusseldorf and that film school was in Berlin, which is like 500 kilometers or 300 mm -hmm. miles west of, west of where I grew up. So um, I told my parents that's where I want to go to. And I was in the lucky situation that they were able to, to help me out, go to that school. And I, I did one semester of traditional animation there where you have to draw, pencil draw, Disney style animation. We got an introduction into 3D softwares. We got introduction into traditional filmmaking. And I learned a lot of great people. I think, always looking back, I think the people that you that you meet and that you work with in, the, in these times, whoever has, you know, the luck to have to have a university or college or whatever time where you can play around and you know create things without the pressure of the industry of making money just met amazing people who who taught me even more than than the teachers there but yeah. that was the introduction into you know, into that world and from there on i 
started going a couple of different routes, worked in different industries, had different careers, had a career as a, I would say as a 3D animator and 3D artist first. Did my first couple of freelance jobs in Berlin. Back in, uh, I gradu graduated in 2004 from that film school and then lived in Berlin for six years doing 3D freelancing, little tiny little bit of photography back then, but mostly uh, mostly 3D animation. But I also realized how complex that world is and how technical it is. And over the next 10, 15 years, I slowly made my way a little bit more into the still photography and photo retouching, just because I, I realized there's people who are so much better at, you know, at all the technical parts. You know, as you guys probably, I think you know that world a little bit as well. There's people who just write, who just do texturing, just do animation, just do modeling. Everyone is so specific, mm -hmm. specialized. It's a, very, it's a very technical world. You know, I learned certain things are for me, certain things are not. But I always like that, you know, trying to pushing, pushing the boundaries of image making in, in some way, creating things that are, that are new, that haven't been seen before. So within the best of my abilities. I have so many more questions based on everything you just <laughs> said, but for both of you, Sally and, and for Franz, you mentioned this niche, that you found your niche, you found your spot where you could specialize. For both of you in your separate interests, what has been your niche? Creating edgy, new. I, I, I go back to edgy just because I feel like that we're always, we respond to a certain feeling and it just kind of walks the line of I, th I sometimes feel like we I think there's a s sweet spot where something is beautiful but has a little bit of maybe edgy but or a little bit of a touch to it not just mm -hmm. not just beautiful I guess that's maybe the sweet spot we're trying to to nail where it's a little bit strange but still beautiful and uh, then beautiful for me is just a loaded question yeah, it is yeah. right subjective right so subjective I think that when we create images, we always go back to that one image that like makes us look twice or mm -hmm. kind of hold a longer stare, or, you know, something that just grabs you. And I, I guess what we're trying to do is just find that that's where the moment is, you know, try to get that moment where you feel like it sustains your interest to kind of explore it a little bit deeper. Always have that luxury of creating that, creating what we want to create, we're always you know, trying to push for more of what we want to create. And I think that's always an ongoing evolution. And then, of course, there's always art that you show and promote more. And then there's art that you maybe do, you know, to pay the bills and mm -hmm. finding that balance between maybe getting a client to push a little yeah. more or dare a little, you know, take more risks. Because again, going back to the safety net, yeah. I feel like I have a safety net working with France. We together, we we tend to work in lockstep to try to push it where we can both feel like, oh yeah, this feels good. If we're looking at you guys working together, can you give an example from a recent project, especially one that you have posted to something like your Instagram, where you work together and what you both brought to the table to make that look the way it does? Maybe the Sedona images are a good example. Yeah. Yes, please. I think <laughs> at our first so we did a series of images for Sedona Ledge, and she's a model and a designer. Her her line is called Chained by Sedona. So we. By the way, we're we, I know you're a fan of hers, and we are fans of hers too. So we started out as 
fans of her work. I really loved her couture line. I worked with her maybe once or twice prior to before she started shooting with us. But she just has really, you know, she has a look and mm -hmm. she has a vibe and she has a full persona about her. And and it's edgy and it walks the line and she pushes and she's a, you know, she's a creative. So she wants to, you know, she, she dares and she takes And in chances. an ideal project like that, it's also that Sally and I, we're both kind of on the same page and in some jobs I take over more creative control but in other jobs like some of the the Sedona images to Sally takes creative control so it goes back and forth yeah that's that's depending on the job sometimes we just do our own part and sometimes you know we we go all in together it, it varies a lot it's most fun when we're both we both love the project and we just can work together on it equally mm -hmm. Yeah, it shows in the photos, by the way, oh, yeah. like the collaboration, the edginess. Have you had experiences where you kind of had to coax the model or the artist you're working with or designer to try to push the limit a little bit? Well, that's always, that's always what we're What's the trying. word? Co coax? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Try to get them to understand your vision yeah. and feel comfortable. It's hard. It's, it's hard. If, it, if it's not there, it's hard to push it, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's always the case. We, we always try in some way or another, and sometimes it works, and sometimes yeah. it doesn't. And you just have to part of the whole, you know, collaborative process too. It's like where there is resistance, you have to give a little bit and take a little bit, and but I was it'll also, be what it's supposed to be, I guess. I was gonna say um, one advantage of working in a team is really having that extra set of eyes. You know, whether mm -hmm. when you, I realize when I just work by myself, you know, sometimes you try to look at something a day later with fresh eyes, but having a, a partner who really, you know, can, can look at it and has a different perspective. And sometimes I send Sally an image and say, can you look at that? And she immediately has like a comment, have you tried doing, doing that or go a little easy on the, on the contouring in post-production or there's like, it, I think that's one reason why our best work is when we, when we work together, because she has her perspective, I have mine. You know, the male and the female perspective mm -hmm. and... Uh... Which, by the way, I mean, that's its own evolution too, because I'm a woman, but I also have a very male perspective within me. And as a man, you also have a very feminine perspective within you too. You do, mm -hmm. you absolutely do. I think that you capture women beautifully. I've always been drawn to working with female photographers because I always felt like, oh, they have such a unique perspective. But even from your own, I don't know, you just, capture women very differently than other male photographers that I've worked with. I agree with that completely, um, especially looking at the images that you recently posted of Sedona. And, and we were talking before we started recording and, and Sally was sharing how great it is to be working with your spouse. Have you guys come up against any challenges working with your spouse or for you guys, is it the perfect setup? No, we, we, we work through challenges. It's not perfect all the time. We absolutely do have challenges and there's resistance and it's honest. And sometimes I throw my hands up and I go, okay, fine, you win this one. And sometimes it's the other way around, but we know each other too well enough to know where to push, I think. Yeah, I think lucky, lucky enough, the overall vision is very similar and that's creatively and I think for life. So it's our communication styles, like our communication styles, we have a really honest and respectful way to communicate. And I know, yeah, and it's kind of like knowing where to push 
and whether when <laughs> they know what to push say. for your opinion yeah. and push it through and where not and but um yeah it it definitely can can get tricky when there's really sometimes uh, you know a conflict where you feel like this is really important and she feels or i feel it's really important and she feels it's really important it we happens, all hold grudges but, but i think yeah. we have the, the kind of personality type to i don't know we take a beat and revisit it and harmonize we we can no i'm very unconfrontational i've i'm being told that a lot <laughs> sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes not but yeah so so back to your partnership do you guys ever say okay we're taking our work hats off and we're going to be in family mode right now do you schedule that or does it happen as projects come and go how do you structure that no phones at the table is one thing yeah yeah we both don't follow through with that so we we just remind each other <laughs> you know the truth is that we work together and we're drained so by the end of the day we're also trying not to talk about work or trying not but to talk about something but we so, still yeah do. And we yeah i don't i don't think we officially schedule things because we also kind of like talking about it i think that's yeah. one reason why otherwise what what would we talk about no yeah. we like it but we try to also then when the kids are there we try to keep it you know, oh yeah because they have no, no interest they have no interest <laughs> that surprises me when we're talking about y'all's workday, and keep in mind that MK and I do not work in the creative world, and the majority of our audience doesn't either, so fill us in what a typical day looks like. If you're going to have a shoot, what does that look like for you from start to finish? On a shoot day? Because well, I think every single day there's so much variety, right? So depending on where we are in the cycle of a project if we're starting from you know conceptualizing well maybe you start with a regular like shoot day at the studio a regular shoot day at the studio would be you know if it's a um, school day we drop off the kids i i normally walk the kids to school as like a short walk luckily <laughs> i'm gonna just walk you through if that bores you let me know no that's not boring no. that's adorable yeah yeah so bring the kids to school and then bring the little one to preschool and then rush back and then pack our bags. Um, we'll if, load up the car, right? Like if it... Load up the car, Sally cleans her makeup all night long normally because she never finds time before. So that happens normally like at when the 11 kids are at down. night or 12 yeah. at night. She like, everything is on the floor. She cleans every single brush. There were times where I helped her clean the brushes, but kind of. <laughs> That's assuming that I'm doing makeup that day, usually, because it, I yeah. don't know, it don't, I mean... Yeah, you, you don't always do it, but, you know. It's, it's, we get to the studio, let's see, I mean, crafty, right? So basically, we welcome the team. We welcome the team. We make sure that everyone gets their bearings through the studio. And then some productions are bigger, where we don't have to worry about the production aspect of it. And then some shoots are, you know, smaller, where we have to handle everything ourselves, make sure we, you know, get food before we get to studio, make sure everyone is fed. It's not that interesting. It's yes, it is. Yeah. No, it really is because we don't know how any of this works. So uh, this is very interesting. Other days I just go to work and, you know, there's a whole week of me just retouching images and um, preparing for the next shoot. And then sometimes there's like two or three shoots a week and then it's all chaos. 
I think that's one part of this this job. There's no real there's always rhythm a goal. There's always a goal. So you kind of go goal by goal, I think, right? So on shoot day, you have a goal to get through the job, that you hit all your shots prior to the shoot day. You have you you have an idea, you have an understanding with the whole team that you've already met with before, and you go through the whole concept board, and everyone has to be already aligned, ready to go. Yeah. With uh, in a rhythm, and when we hit the studio, it's to find that flow and rhythm, set the right music, even down to the music what we're going to play that day no we always that's always what we do last but it's so important for the for everyone make to get sure into that everyone's mood. fed it's a good energy we want make that's why he was talking about food because food is so, such a huge part of the day too yes yeah we need everyone to be happy and i think when it comes down to it when you're working with artists they want to feel appreciated and inspired and that's the kind of environment that we're trying to do and create in every experience in where we receive a team. Uh, even if it's just us two, mm. it is every, I mean, that's where I think our creativity, you feel like you have the blanc card, really. You, you can do what you want to do because you're in a good mood and you're inspired. And some artists actually create in a brooding state, right? There's also like the songwriters who like, say, oh, I have to be completely depressed and under rain to create music. And Can I ask, I know this is off topic a little bit, but you might have said that or explained that already, how you guys, real quick, how you guys started doing this. And I know we haven't even talked about Grimes and we don't know that much about her anyway, but I would just love to get a super quick idea of how you guys started. Yeah, so I became a Grimes memer. I was in grad school. I loved Grimes, but I needed an outlet because as a therapist, I'm helping people process trauma all day. I'm, I realized that I could use comedy and start a memes page. There was a lack of memes pages for Grimes. I started my page. I found out that people were interested in what I had to say beyond the comedy. MK and I became friends through the Grimes community and then decided like, heck, let's just start a podcast and invite on all these people that we think are cool to talk to. MK, would you say that that about sums it up? Yeah, and I got into Grimes during COVID and found Jen's page and it was like an amazing outlet to be a part of, you know, she would do lives and it I became a part of the community. I'm also just like a pop culture movie enthusiast writer. So that's kind of my background when I get into something. I, I love to talk about it and meet the people involved with it and also just in industries in general. So it's kind of a perfect match with Jen and I. Are you more fascinated by her music or by her style or her visuals? Because I think I, I've been following her, but it was it was mostly I didn't know her music so well, but I'm, you know, she has very the kind of similar appeal, aesthetic right? yeah, than aesthetic what we do. Appeal, for sure. Going into different worlds. It's otherworldly. I can never say that word. Why yes. Otherworldly. Yeah, it's, what, it's a good that's, word, that's, I think. Yeah. That's a great question. And I think for me, and I'm curious, MK, if yours is the same, mine started out for the music. And then I became so sucked into what you're referring to, Sally, like the otherworldly feeling, the almost drama of it, the fashion, the way she does her makeup, all of that was really appealing to me. And and that's why I was also really interested in y'all's work, because something about your photography felt very similar to me. Yes. That like emotion in, in the photography, you look at it for a long time because it captures your attention. MK, what would you say? 
I've started with her music, but then as you become a fan, you find everything else that she's a part of. And she does create these own realms within her art, built with the music, with the ambience, with the style, and just creates narratives. And I love that about her. And I saw that a lot in your work too, with the edginess and the boundaries you push, like each photo, it just tells a story. Yes. And there's something so inviting about that. I think that at the end of the day, we are artists that appreciate surrealism and we respond to surrealist details and given the chance to play in that we will invite it we'll just lovingly get lost in it because escapism it's just you know i think that's what kind of ties it all together even with grimes i mean there is an escapism about it you are escaping something you just you're allowing yourself to imagine and it's it's important to us because when we that's that's at the root of everything we do. We, we're playing with our own imaginations and trying to see where we can take things. Yeah, and I'm curious for the both of you guys, it must have been so strange having a Grimes memer and then this random podcast page <laughs> reach out to you. How much did you know about Grimes? I knew that, you know, she was with Elon Musk, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole romance is really public. And oh, yeah. So she wasn't yeah. someone I didn't know of. Her music, um, I mean, it is a mood, or I've heard it before, but visually, it's, it's she's someone iconic and someone that always comes in our feed and we're always revisiting for some inspiration when we... Mm-hmm. We're always, I mean, Bjork is another one that I love really, mm-hmm. and too, and I'm always revisiting her work. And going back to Lance, I mean, Bjork and the masks. I mean, I've always kind of been fascinated by, you know. Yeah, I guess the future futurism is always something that from the very first, you know, university college projects always, you know, was there in my work for sure. And I, I think Sally, to a certain degree, she can only go so deep into the sci-fi at some point. She's like, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> that's where we have a little bit of a, I'm not a sci-fi person. It just, it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't feel yeah, I think believable enough to me. And I think that's where I, I feel like, okay, that's just way too out there. And I don't, I almost it doesn't became a, a product designer too. That was, I remember I doing, doing a test in high school where they, where they test you answer all these questions and say, this is your a career, test. you know, like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think for me, it was product designer and wow. I kind of see that a little bit because I, in my photography, I feel like half of it is product design when you, or like costume design and you can't do, I guess you can't have, can't do everything. You can, you can only do so much or be good enough at so much to, to make it fashion, but creating these visuals kind of includes a lot of these elements you know and you you can play costume designer you can play product designer and i thought it was interesting when i was listening to lance's um podcast he was getting into the differences of being an actual designer and just creating things you know virtually or digitally yeah all different uh world and i thought it was really interesting to think about that a bit more i definitely definitely like to uh like to play you know fashion designer in my in my visuals Oh, and that definitely shows. I wanted to to go back to, you mentioned that you have playlists at your sets. So do you cater the music completely on the vision of what you're working on at the moment? Or are there ones that you kind of go back to? Usually, yeah. And, and also a, a mashup of the model, whatever they're going to respond to that will get their energy to 
and yeah. relate what we need. If we shoot, you know, like a, a, a sci-fi kind of Sedona, Champ by Sedona, we put on Blade Runner or something like that oh. to get into it. <laughs> jealous. Yeah. Sure. Although she likes Russian rap, so we use... <laughs> So, okay. So we'll that's what. <laughs> that's a vibe. Yeah. yeah, whatever, whatever. I think we we feel it out because the the model has to talent has to get into the mood the yeah. most. So when if they have a preference, great. If not, then we'll just play whatever we we have a couple of go to playlists which I play way too much. Yeah, it's definitely it helps so much to have the right the right mood. Yeah, and I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Sally, I know that you have a skincare line, which I'm very interested in. But before I ask about that, makeup. What are your top three makeup no-nos and makeup do this? <laughs> we need to know. Oh, God, makeup no-nos. You know. It's a trap. Don't, it's don't a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. I, I am someone who feels like less is more to begin with. Yeah. That's because I've I've always had sensory issues and I've always suffered a lot with skin. So whatever feels the most comfortable. For the longest time, I always felt like I had to be really self-conscious in, about my skin, texture, hyperpigmentation, all the little things that, you know, we just kind of suffer through inside when your skin isn't perfect. And I think that the world of retouching and beauty ads and everything that we see has just elevated our anxiety about how we're supposed to look. I mean, now dolphin skin is like really in, you know, like they actually promote products to make your skin look like super glazed, you know, um, and I'm all for it. If that's what makes you happy, by all means, fuck it. Oh, so sorry. Sure. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I just know that God, there's so so many products. Have fun with it. Play. I I I don't know. I don't know if I'm the person to ask for that. I also I have I'm I'm Latina, so in my in my just growing up and seeing like my mom and how in Latin American markets it's just an, another beast. You know, like um, women are really contrived to look a certain way, and I know that the cosmetology business is you know god we're talking about billions and billions of dollars that they, they that they make and it's it's beautiful to me to see someone embrace character and i think that's what i try to bring into makeup and play a little bit in is just to bring out some you know the essence of a character within the world as opposed to sit down and make me look pretty which yeah and that's also so many different requirements in your job right when you if we do well, my athletic shoot, yeah. it just has yeah. to look like it's not there, the makeup. Yeah. yeah. That's one, one, one other career, I guess, we have is doing these kind of more athletic inspired shoots where it's basically all very natural and real world. And well, it's we a whole different task than when you're creating a character, right? It's almost like a different job. Yeah. Same with yeah. shooting. Athletic model is, is a completely different job than creating these sci-fi images. Which leads to, it's, it's a whole nother, uh, you know, topic, but. I actually wanted to switch into that because I had read somewhere about how you garnered a license deal with the city of Los Angeles to include your work in the bid to host the 2024 Summer Olympic Games in LA. What's going on there? <laughs> yeah, that has been a 
Yeah, so that was a couple years ago. So what ended up happening was uh, our old office used to be right in Venice Beach. And there's just a lot of if if you're familiar with Venice Beach, there's a lot of energy and activity, Mm -hmm. urban street style skaters. Like we have a huge skate park, right? Yeah. It's just it's a scene and it's fun to capture it. And Franz started shooting just kind of the landscapes and the characters that were there the skaters, the athletes, and he got, I don't know, what, how did it happen? I think it was 72 and Sunny, one of the advertising agencies locally nearby. One of the agencies had the account for the Olympics or the the campaign, Mm -hmm. I think, when is it happening? Los Angeles won it, right? Uh, Yeah, we won it, and it comes out in 2024, yeah. So they basically asked if they could use, license that image to include it in um in their, for, in, their, in, their in their campaign for the bidding of yeah. the olympics in la so that's that's how it was used i forgot who was on the foundation for that i think it was like i don't know i, I can't remember the yeah the organization but, but i'd was- imagine it's really difficult to capture movement as a photographer the way that you do i took one photography class in college so i don't really have too much experience with that feels like to really capture somebody in motion or like a ballerina jumping it just seems a long shoot potentially because you have to get it completely right yeah i mean there's a the technical aspect to it to you know to get the image sharp enough is, or sometimes you want a little bit of motion blur sometimes you want it sharp then it's good to have the right equipment some cameras take you know only three or four images per second and then if you spend a little more money it goes up to 10 20 even i think 30 images per second and then it makes it easier you just hold the the shutter and uh, and then afterwards you pick the the perfect frame but uh, those are all things i guess you have to to learn and you know find out for yourself but yeah the whole um athletic photography world is is a is a whole nother chapter of of our of our, our story i guess of our story and yeah. of our company yeah we uh, sometimes i feel like we're trying to do it all and then sometimes we feel like we have to you know focus a bit more on one thing and then you go back you say but i still love the other thing and it's uh well it's first of it's all it's, it's nice i mean i i think you can look at it that way and i think it's also nice to be invited to participate in projects so when 72 and sunny says hey i well, 72 and sunny by the way they're a wonderful advertising agency out here they have offices in new york and amsterdam you know it's nice to know that the creatives within and you know the commercial world would actually hold value in, in something that we could capture that for us might have not been, it was just a moment. It was a moment in time. It was a moment in time capturing a guy doing like a backflip, <laughs> then a speech and you just happened to, you got the right moment. Yeah. You guys are so humble to talk to considering how much you've done and the people that you've worked with. If you had to pick a favorite project, what would you guys say was the best thing you ever worked on or something that just felt very fulfilling to you? Is there one? My favorite. I, I, was... I think they're so unique. I, I love every single one because there's always a lesson in them that makes us better. There's usually for me what comes up is a lot of anxiety because I the the juggling, going back to the juggling, it's like, oh, do I have the time resources to really give this project the attention it deserves without taking away too much from my family or there being some other sacrifice that could impact us it's you know it's also funny sometimes the the bigger productions where you you know may make more money and you have like a big team and all that 
they are very rewarding in the end but i feel like the most enjoyable ones are you know the, the one smaller ones it's just you and yeah. you know or like a super small crew and just the i think the, more, the, talent the more fulfilling or... is yeah when when i feel safe to kind of create because we throw everything and yeah. we just get to play and that's because we don't we're not under somebody else's thumb to say yeah do it this way what would your advice be to aspiring photographers and makeup artists? You want to start? Well, how about you? What would you say to a, an aspiring makeup artist? <laughs> Me for makeup artist. Yeah. Because, okay, what's your photography? Like from your, you know, like your point of view, you have a different perspective. Well, I don't even know what my job's called anymore because <laughs> it's every like other month, there's a new thing. Now I'm including AI into my mm visuals which the AI the AI gets better every two weeks so things that I created like a month ago are already obsolete wow and so I, my advice for a makeup artist is to incorporate some of the tools because I'm, I'm really lucky that I have you where I don't have like the media technical knowledge I have him so he really pushes me to uh, use the tool, use the tools that I would be scared to use. And I think that's actually helping me a lot right now. I've heard that question a lot of people being asked, what would you recommend? And then that's normally people who are somewhat established, more or less. Yeah. A lot of times they feel like they're, they're already out of touch, even though, you know, mm -hmm. you are, you are established and you have like cli a client base. But if you had to put yourself into the shoes of someone who's just starting, and it, it is hard because a lot of the rules that you were taught or the things that you did, maybe right or wrong, are already not, they don't matter anymore. They don't matter. Obsolete, yeah. I. It's hard, this whole, I mean, in the creative scene, this whole influencer scene was so dominant for the last, you know, couple years. It's almost like, hey, why would you, if you have, why would you not want to be an influencer in any kind of way, use the social network, you know, if I was, 20 or something right now um i don't know i think it's it's always always good to have some sort of skill set learn like some sort of a software or a a technique have one solid one that you can fall back to for me a lot of time that is photoshop and retouching we we started out more as a we started out i started out more as a creative image maker then we do, took a little bit 10 10, 15 years more, almost as a post-production company. And then we kind of made our way back into more of a content creating company. It's always great to have like a, some sort of a, like a basic skill set that you can fall back on and then build on top of that. It sounds like keeping up with the current trends is one of the most difficult parts of this job. And as we're coming to a close, our audience is deeply interested in AI. And so AI and art is double interest to everybody. So Franz, can you say a little bit more about what AI you guys use to help enhance your work? Yeah, I only started using AI a couple months ago, I would say maybe half a year now. And I dabbled in a couple of the, you know, for me, it's, I know AI is all over the place, you know, with its music and writing and image creation, but I, personally only use it for for image creation and it has been uh, I think a wild ride because like I was saying it it, it develops you know every day I feel like it, it's uh, improving so fast I've been using uh, 
software called Midjourney a lot, which is all over the internet too. It's um, I don't know, it's it's fascinating. Definitely, it it's a mix of feeling uh, feeling inspired and fascinated, but also a little bit scary because I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know how the code works. I just you know use it as well as I can. But it makes you definitely think how, you know, with the speed that it's developing, how, you know, where it's going to leave everyone, whether it's, you know, artists, image creators. I have, I think it's it's developing too fast for me to have some sort of a advice there, but it's the only thing I can see is that maybe the techniques and the crafts are becoming more and more less important and your, your personal style, you know, and your intention becomes more and more important because that is not something that can be maybe replaced so quickly by an AI, maybe mm. at some point, but um, I don't know. It, it's a it's a weird one, definitely. Yeah. Thank you both so much for spending time on a Saturday to sit down and talk with us. If people want to follow you guys and keep up with your work, what's the best way for them to do so? Steiner.creative. Yeah, we. Are, I mean, we're pretty active on Instagram, which is Steiner.creative. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's, that's probably the and then there's has, has our web page and our emails and we're normally pretty good at replying to anyone who writes us if we find it. Yeah, we're we're good evidence of that. You guys are so kind to us to come on. So thank you so much. We appreciate hearing all about your craft. And guys, stay tuned for more content from us here at What's Up Grimes and thanks so much, Sally and Franz. Thank you. Thanks guys. Bye.